0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Miss Snow. Ms. Courier, thank you. Well, appreciate the Lord's goodness to us. Appreciate the good singing. Thank you, all who sing. And um, most of all, I appreciate the Lord. I was singing that song, How Great Thou Art, it's just a it's just a wonderful song to think about how great God is. Now why he would ever why he would ever care about people like us, I don't know. But I sure am glad he does. Truly the Bible's correct when we're not worthy of the least of his mercies. But I sure am glad we serve a loving, faithful, caring God Amen. who's in the business of rescuing the perishing, caring for the dying. And so thank the Lord that we are a highly blessed people. It's just a wonder to me. I don't know, I don't know how God, I had no idea when I got saved what God would do. I just wanted to save from sin. I didn't know. I didn't know up from down. Uh, Probably still know, I guess, in most ways. But uh, when I think about that night and I got saved, and I called my wife and she's expecting me home. It's 1030 at night and she doesn't know where I'm at. And I just remember telling her that night, just... Pray for me. Tell everybody to pray for me. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what God's doing. And so my family got down and prayed for me. And God just changed my life. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how God took a man that was in love with everything that's wrong in this world and just completely turned him around. I hated going to church. I hated church people. And now that's the only place I want to be is just with God's people. I, don't, I can't describe that. I don't know how God does that in a person. But I sure am glad he has. I'm glad he saved me. I'm glad he uh, came to me just like the song said and I wish I could sing. I just about sing it. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Boy, we serve a good God. I I hope you're saved. I really do. I I pray that that, uh, if you're here tonight, you're not saved. Boy, I wish you'd I wish you'd come to know the Lord. Is there anybody in here that'd like to raise their hand and say, "Boy, I regret being saved"? Nobody'd be dumb enough to say that. Which not in here. Boy, I tell you, it's uh, just like the psalmist said. We'll finish up the first psalm here. I lied again this morning. You'll need to pray for your preacher. I said fifteen minutes, and I think it was double that and then some. So I'm not going to do that to you. I make no promises here. But we'll just finish up this psalm. And just pray that the Lord will help us in these days. uh, That we would be in this uh, manner that the Bible is describing here. Of the blessed man. We got through verse number one. And we were able to see some things about this Man who has a separated state, and uh, that's the first thing that verse number one uh, mentions. It talks about separation. It talks about how that there's just some things when you get saved, you just can't go around anymore. And uh, there's not that's not a negative. That's a positive. There's nothing that the Bible is talking about is ungodly here, that's going to be beneficial to your life. And so it's a good thing to abstain from those fleshly lusts that war against the soul. And so uh, this is dealing with, I believe, again, in the psalm, is dealing with a matter of uh, state and not in its standing necessarily. So this is a life that you and I can have that uh, we're not guaranteed just because we're saved. It takes some determination, takes some action, and uh, it takes uh, walking in the right ways. It takes some denial of things that uh, the flesh would like to have. Uh, It takes uh, hard work. It takes, uh, uh, I have come to find out, I asked uh, some older men than me, when will some of this stuff end? Their reply is always, I don't know, you'll have to ask somebody older than I am. And so you'll always be battling against the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, the lust of the eye. The flesh doesn't die easy. And our Bible tells us that we are crucified with Christ, that old man's been crucified through the Lord Jesus, and now he's dead. But we are to reckon him dead, right? We are to reckon what God has made so. And so we are to keep him dead. Uh, If you give him just a little bit of leeway, he'll take a lot from you. That's not the devil. That's you and our our flesh. We blame the devil with a lot. Um, The Bible says a man's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And so we can blame the devil all that we want to, but I tend to think it's mine and your responsibility. uh, Because the Bible says if we'll walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill those lusts, right? If we'll resist him, he'll flee, Uh, So you and I have the power. We're not just being uh, uh, tossed about at the whims of our own depravity. You and I that are saved have the ability to live this blessed life that is described in the first psalm. But you could turn around and reading verse number one, you could turn around this in the opposite and could say cursed is the man that walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Could you not? If it's a blessed man who will not walk, it would be a cursed man that's going to walk in the counsel of ungodly people, And who is going to stand in the way of sinners, and who sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see a progression here. And sin is always uh, going to deal with you in that manner. It will be a progression. You start out in ungodly. Uh, the verse, uh, verse here talks about the counsel of the ungodly. And then you get to Sinners. And then you end up with the scornful. Uh, That is a a lot worse than just your average sinner. That's a person who is mocking and making light of and ridiculing uh, the Bible and God and the Lord and the blood. Uh, That's a whole lot worse than just somebody who's just a sinner. You know, that's a next step uh, to being uh, very depraved is to be scornful. And so you see a natural progression Ungodliness is just anything that is not the will of God, anything That uh, is not godly, right? Would be ungodly, and then there's sinners. So that takes it to another step. That's willful transgression right transgression of the law uh, the law says go 55 and you either went 50 or 60 right to go above or not to go as far as the law commanded us to go and that's the sinner. and then you see the scornful that is about the worst place you can end up so I just wanted to mention that is that it does seem to see a progression uh, that a person that will walk in ca- in the counsel of the ungodly before you know it he'll be standing in the way of sinners And then he'll be sitting in the seat of the scornful. Notice now the first thing he says, he said, walking. Then before you know it, he's standing in it. And then at the end, he's seated down just as comfortable as you're seated in here tonight. Sitted is not a word, but I'm going to use it, okay? Uh, just as comfortable as you and I are sitting in an old-fashioned Bible-believing church, some people are comfortable sitting around people that hate God. Uh, and that's the progression. If you uh, look at the verse, there's a progression, or should I say a digression, uh, but a progression in the uh, um, in the sin uh, that's being mentioned here in verse number one. So if we're going to be blessed, we have to be separated people in our steps, in our stance, and in our seat. Right? And so not As the manner of some, he is. Uh, That's what the Bible teaches. Now, look at verse number two. I want to see something else about this blessed man. The Bible says that the statutes are satisfying to this man. Uh, This blessed man, look at verse number two. So he's not walking in ungodly counsel. He's not standing in the way of sinners, nor is he seated, or I said it again, nor is he seated in the seat of the scornful. But here's what he is doing. The law of the Lord is his delight. And so uh, I uh, always worry about people. Uh, now we're not of the, we're not in the law, we're not under the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. Uh, but uh, sin that was sin two thousand years ago is sin today, right? Uh, and so when the Bible says, uh, uh, you know, uh, simple things like "thou shall not commit adultery," uh, that God didn't change just because Jesus came and died on Calvary. Uh, God's just as much against that as he's always been. Uh, That part did not uh, in fact the Bible says that grace demands more than the law did out of you and me. We are to even be abstaining from the very appearance of evil. Uh, We are to go two miles with people. We are to turn our cheek. We are to love our enemies. Do good to them. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Uh, the, The law doesn't tell you to do that. It says eye for an eye. It says you young people get out of line. We take you out here and stone you. We wouldn't even have a church tonight, I don't think. (laughs) That's what the law says, right? That's not what grace said, but we, in fact, we fulfill the law. We we establish the law, right? Because the Bible has written that in our hearts. And so our conscience is now alive unto God. And so we have a heart. Remember where in Ezekiel, he talks about how God will take away your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Now you have the ability to not only know and to understand, but to walk in the ways that please the Lord. That's a, a very real possibility for us as Christians. And so this man's delight is not in the things that God is against his delight. What satisfies this blessed man is not the world. What satisfies this blessed man is the law of the Lord. What thus saith the Lord, uh, the word of God is satisfying to this blessed man's life. And if you and I are going to continue to have a blessed life, we're going to have to find our satisfaction and our delight in the word of God and doing the will of God. That's not something that is uh, to most of us, if you're saying, Here tonight uh, you're you're not aggravated at having to live righteous and holy we're aggravated we don't live as righteous and holy as we like to now what you don't want to do is get into a bad uh, habit of just attacking yourself for being a failure don't do that that's not going to be very productive for your life because we're all going to be that way we're going to fail we're going to come short and one of the worst things that you can do is to begin to attack yourself for not meeting up to where you'd like to be. Don't do that. Right? But our delight is in the law of the Lord. We want to be as holy as we can be. We're not trying to, uh, to get as close to the edge. See, some of us live in a way that we're trying to see just how much we can get by with and still go to heaven. Isn't that true? Most Christians that I know, they're always pushing the line of, well, this is not really sin. And they want to argue you to death about, well, this is not really, why are we always pushing that line? You ever wonder that? Why is not nobody over here pushing the line to get as close to God as they possibly can? I don't ever hear anybody saying that, boy, I wish I could pray all night tonight. I wish I could uh, uh, read my Bible all night tonight. Always, it's always pushing the line to get, that's the flesh, isn't it? That's a, uh, the the law of the Lord is this man's delight. This, this man doesn't delight in ungodly things. He's not uh, delighting in things that will tend to uh, destroy the lives of people. My, uh, you know, I've seen people make light of things like alcohol and drinking, and it's not that big a deal. It's not a problem. Uh, it's not this and it's not that. The, 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 this blessed man doesn't delight in things that God hates, right? He's not around that kind of stuff. He's separated from all of those things. But understand that separating from will never be enough to bring delight into your life. Right? You can have, I know there is people uh, that there's religions out there that they would beat me and you head to head, I guess, on obeying the law on some things. Because they believe they're going to hell if they don't. They they uh, 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 do all the... X Y's and Z's and dot their T their eyes and cross their T's and they do a whole lot of those kind of things And they're still going to hell tonight Right It's never going to be enough to just have a list of do's and don'ts that you check off every day, right? You have to separate from Unto God Right, so no, I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to sit in the seat of scornful I'm not going to stand in the way of sinners, but that doesn't make you any better if you just sit at home Right? There's got to be something else there. It's just like in First Peter. When we get down to chapter number 2, you're going to see in verse number 1, we saw the emptying out. Lay aside all of these things. Malice, guile, hypocrisies, evil speaking. Empty yourself of all of those things. And then in verse number 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So there's an emptying out, but there must be a pouring in. You must fill yourself with that which is right. It's the same thing here. Yes, we're separated from the world. We've come out from among all those things, uh, but we have to be unto the Lord. And what happens is in a lot of churches, people separate from everything, and they're just as cold and dead in religion because they've never warmed themselves up to God. So they separate from, but never unto God. There's people in Baptist churches that would never be caught dead going to a movie theater. Well, praise the Lord for you. But nor would they spend 10 minutes in the Bible reading God's Word. You might have been better off just to go into the movie theater and at least have a smile on your face. I remember one man preaching one time, he said, Some of you'd be a whole lot better off to get you a big TV and a pair of britches and put a smile on your face. Your religion's making you miserable. Now, he wasn't meaning to do that. You understand what he was trying to say? What he's trying to say is, that will never be enough just to have all these dudes. and. No, You've got to get close to God. You've got to delight in the law of the Lord. You've got to fill yourself with the Word of God. Or you'll be no better off than the scornful and the sinners and the ungodly. Right? Amen for that. It's wonderful. I thank God for that. So we see his the statutes are satisfying. We see this man's satisfaction. What pleases God pleases this blessed man. He wants to do the will of God. He delights in doing what's right. It's not grievous to him. You mean I'm going to have to go to church again? Good night. Man, I get so sick and tired of That's not this man's attitude, right? He delights in doing the will of God. If it pleases God to do something, it pleases this man, right? That's the kind of love we need in our hearts for the Lord, isn't it? If you love me, why don't you do the things I tell you to do? Is that not a good question the Lord can ask us? We say we love him. Some of us know better than the Jews. We honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. We know what to say, we know how to dress, we know how to talk and how to look, we know the songs to sing, we know when to say amen at the right time, we know when to do the right things, but in our hearts just completely far away from God. We honor Him with our lips, don't we? You know what's happened? We've not delighted ourselves in the law of the Lord. It ought to be a wonderful thing for us to live holy. Can I get an amen somewhere? That ought to be a wonderful thing. I'm going to be like the black preachers do. Can I get a witness? (laughs) It ought to be a delightful thing. Shouldn't it? What bothers me is I'm not as good as I'd like to be. And then you know what has happened. You'll start attacking yourself and saying, why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? And you'll depress yourself or it's over with. Don't do that. God knows what you're made of. He wants you to just keep pressing towards the mark. He don't want you to destroy yourself because you're not there. Paul wasn't there. Does that know what he said, Cody? He said, and neither do I count myself to have apprehended, but I follow after, right? I'm not going to quit by the grace of God. I'm going to die trying my best to please God. I feel like that's the sentiment of what he's trying to say. I don't feel like I've arrived, but by the grace of God, I want to lay hold. I want to lay hold of everything that God wants for my life. Apprehend that, which also I'm apprehended of Christ. I want to do everything the will of God has in store for my life. I don't want to miss one place in which God wants something for my life. And I don't want I'm telling you, it'll cost you every time you back up on God. It'll cost you. There's nothing more delightful, nothing more wonderful, no more blessed life than to just live in the will of God. Amen. Hey, we can do it, young people. You can do it. Don't tell me that God saved me to just leave me an absolute mess with no power to overcome the things that destroyed my life for 25 years. Don't tell me that. That's a lie. He came to save his people. Remember what he said? And turning, I want to bless you, and turning every one of you from your iniquities. You don't have to be dominated by what's dominating you. Is that not right? Right? It heads up in one point. Everybody's got it. Yours is different than mine. But everybody has something in their life that deals with them that they constantly are battling against. And it may be different and it's uh, in, in some ways really at the root of it. It's really the same problem. It's trying to satisfy self, trying to please ourself because we're selfish people in it. And that's where it really will head itself up at each time. But we're going to have to separate from delight in the law of the Lord. So we see this, the satisfaction uh, that this man has. we got to move quick. And I want to finish this. Now, look at uh, just the next part of that in verse number two. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, Brother Clayton, I believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I don't think you're doing that. When you watch six to 10 hours of TV every day and stay on Facebook for eight, nine hours a day and play video games and you're wrapped up with everything else and you don't read your Bible one sentence in a day, I don't think your delight is in the law of the Lord. Sounds like your delight's in pleasure, right? Now, I'm not attacking you. I'm not trying to attack you. But if the shoe fits, wear it, right? Your delights, not, don't lie to yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do, young people, the you, best thing you can do, if just be honest. This is me. This is where I'm at. I need your help, right? Don't lie to yourself and say, I'm doing okay when you won't even pick up a Bible. My delight's in the law of the Lord. No, it's not. You're lying. I tell myself that sometimes. Sometimes we'll have a feeling that we're better off than we are, and ourself will want to believe it. You're really not, right? You are what you do. Is that not true? So our delight's not in the law of the Lord when we don't spend any time reading the Word of God, is it? Because that's what this man does. He goes beyond just a reading. Look at what he does in the Bible. This is what he does with it. He meditates on it. Now look at look at the look at the next part of your Bible here. He delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditation is attention with intention. It's taking beyond the casual reading, uh, and I'm for casual reading. There's sometimes I can't get something, and, and it's good to just read the Word of God. There's a subjective value in just reading the Bible in itself. Uh, but meditation takes it a step further. It's more of a study. It's more of a taking that verse and with the complete intention of, of, of applying it to your life. And so you meditate upon the word of God day and night. It's hard to do that when you listen to rock music. Right? It's hard to do that when you're watching television. When you're it's just hard to do those kind of things. They're a distraction, right? There's some things out there that are not sin. There's nothing sinful about a television. It's what you decide to watch on it that becomes a problem, right? Some people are shouting, amen. You spent a lot on that television this Christmas. But what we put on it can be a problem, can it not be? We spend more time with it than we do the Word of God. And then we wonder why we've gotten cold in our hearts. So, well, you know exactly what's happened. Right? You've got away from your Bible. The Bible's what's keeping you warm and keeping you, uh, keeping you on fire for God, not the television. Right? We know what's wrong, generally. I just can't figure out what's happening. Oh, yeah, you do. Don't lie to yourself. You know what's going on. You know where you're spending your time. You know where your attention and your affection is. And if it's not in the Word of God, you're going to have problems, right? That's from me all the way out. Of the, it's everybody, anybody. You can't be too spiritual to stay in your Bible, right? And that's what this man knows this, And he's going to have a blessed life. And he knows staying away from those things will not be enough. What he's going to have to do is delight himself in the law of the Lord. And then he's going to have to meditate upon the Word of God. He's gonna, and, and not just once. See, there's some things that I, there's one thing that really gets me, if I don't have time to think upon scriptures, I'll I'll be in a mess. I had to get everybody away from me and turn everything off and turn everybody away and just be able to think, think about the scriptures and think about what God was saying there. To think about, you got to turn people off sometimes, right? You got to put the phone down to do that. It'll ring all day. It'll be so. Oh, you know what aggravates me more than anything in this world? Them little red dots. There's nothing aggravates me. It's got a little number in it and it says four. I believe that's the devil trying to get your attention because I have to open it and clear that red dot off of there. Does anybody else have that problem or am I totally losing my mind? Maybe a little bow. Don't agree to that. I believe that's a design of the enemy to get you drawn to that thing all the time. Because I don't even look at what's on there. I just want the red dot gone. Crazy. But you got to turn all those things off and meditate upon the word of God. That'll help you life. Uh, young people uh, really get this. I believe that's where the Bible says, my word have I hid in my heart. That's, I think meditation takes it from your head and moves it to your heart. I think you read the word of God, but then once you shut your Bible and you sit back and begin to think about what you read, you've got to have that moment of time to meditate and to think upon uh, the word of God. And and, and that that thing was before you know, it'll start getting in your heart. You all know what I'm talking about? You've read something a thousand times, but you'll start chewing on it, and it'll get in your heart. And man, before you know it, you're just thinking about it. You're talking to people about it. You're, uh, you're calling people and saying, well, what do you think this verse means? It, it just gets in your heart because you've, you've been thinking about it. You've been meditating on it. That'll be a lot more productive for your life than Instagram. Newsflash. Most of these young ladies aren't as pretty as they want everybody to think they are anyway. It's called Filters. Remove the filter and you're not going to get nearly as many likes. You're welcome. Kills me. You'll see them in person and think, well, I don't even know who that is. (laughs) I need some filters that will stretch me this way. Amen. There's nothing productive going on out there, folks. I'm not against social media. I really am not. I I think it's actually a tool that can be used for some good. I like to keep up with people. There's missionaries we have. I watch them baptize people. They'll they'll put a baptism service on me. It just thrills my heart. There's some good out there in that stuff. Uh, If you can control it, if you can I just throw it in the trash. Right? But there's some good out there on it. But it's what you're doing on it that's going to make the difference. Be careful how much time. You'll get sucked into that thing. Anybody ever sat down and played a video game? Now, don't admit it. <laughs> These boys are looking at me going, good night. Where is he going now? If you've ever played a video game, now, now, brother JC, you probably in your day didn't have, but when I first came out, they had that Atari thing. Yes, thank you. But I don't care what it is. These video games on the, on the cell phones and all, they just suck you in. I've, I've seen grown adults that'll sit there and just, I mean, they can't take their eyes off that thing. And the world could burn down around them and they'd have no idea. Everybody could be screaming, ah, the place is on fire. And they'd be. I knocked a phone out of one of their hands and they like to had a heart attack because I lost all their points. Oh, I lost your points. I, I'm sorry. Again, what were those points accomplishing in your life? You see how we, you see how those things get you? Now I know I'm being a little silly. I'm off track a little bit here, but it's, it'll suck you in. It'll take over your life. And you got to be wise on this stuff. These, these, these devices are setting traps for us and they're occupying our time. And so even things that are not sinful, something as simple as a game, uh, before you know it, it's destroying your Christian life because it's taking you away from the one thing that's going to keep you going. I saw a man put out one time how he was against people having cell phones in the congregation to have the Bible on it, and I think I agree with that. Uh, I have no problem if you read your Bible on the phone. I do it all the time. I, I read Spurgeon's morning and evening devotions. There's an app on there, and you can read it on your phone. It's a great tool, uh, but there's a great distraction because I'll be sitting there on it, and next thing I know, the phone's dinging, and them red dots are showing up, and I'm having to move over and clear more red dots. <laughs> drives me crazy. And you've wasted, <laughs> how much time? And you could have just opened your Bible and never one time do I see any red dots on here that distract me. Nobody textes me on here. So and so went live like anybody gives two cents about what they've got to say. I don't care that they went live. I wish they'd go to bed. My phone would quit digging. Well, <laughs> we're off track now. I But that's where we are in this day, brother. These these things, I'm telling you, there is nothing productive. And if you can't control it, the best thing you can do for your life, go back to an old flip phone and forget it. You kids don't realize how aggravating it was to text people on a flip phone. You didn't text people. That was a joke. Y'all ever used one of those? Where you have to hit it three times to get the right one and your fat finger another one and then you... It's a mess. And now the enemy's just made it easier, though. Can I say this? I'm I'm rambling now. I I realize that. Uh, So I'll just go with it. Uh, You know something else that's not good? The availability of these texts and machines. You know what else is not good? People will say things in a text they would never say in person. They will cause problems and attack people where they never would if they didn't have a text. I found out people are real tough behind a texting machine. They would never say that to you. But they get behind a text and bless God I'll tell you. What good did that do? See, the good thing is that you didn't have availability to them. It caused you to stop and wait and think. People have lost that ability. Before you send that text and you're going to tell off somebody, do yourself a big favor and wait. Sleep on it. Wait till in the morning. See if you're still as mad as you think you need to send one of those texts. Hey, it'll cause problems in your marriage. I know. Because here's my personality. My personality is always assuming the worst. That's my personality. So I'm assuming already that somebody is saying something negative to me. That's how I'm turned. There's no excuse for that. And I'm working on it. Pray for me. But my wife has in the past said simple things, and I've took it as something smart alecky and gotten mad about it. And she's like, that's not what I was saying. I was just simply saying something. You can't can't communicate well that way. You're going to cause all kinds of problems. Well, you're not preaching the Bible. I'm trying to tell you, these machines are not helping our life. We have availability to things we should not have availability to. I wish, I wish I had my phone. I'd take a picture of these young people's face. They can't stand me right now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They don't do that. Well, we gotta go home. But we just need to be careful. I've always tried to think that. I, I've got one person in my life that God or the devil one's using. I don't know which one yet. But they keep me tore up just about. They can say just the smallest thing and get you tore. And here's what I've learned to do. I've learned to wait before I respond. Just give it a little time. Just wait. Don't respond. Just give it a little time. Think about it. Pray about it. And before you know it, they'll calm down and you'll calm down. There will be no problem. But if you just start texting back and forth, you're going to end up saying and doing things you shouldn't do. Does that help you? Young people, just stay off of those things. They're not helping you at all. Use them for the good that there can be there and where you're seeing it cause you a problem in your life, just get rid of it. You young people know I'm telling the truth. The best best times, and it ain't just young people, it's older people too, but you're easy to preach to. How much better off are you when you ain't got that phone right by your side all the time? Am I telling the truth? Are you a better Christian because you got that cell phone? No. What does that mean? We're gonna have an old fashioned burn, and they used to burn stuff out here at these revival meetings. But now these phones cost so much, don't burn them. We'll sell it. Let somebody else ruin their life with it. No, Well we gotta go. Now listen, I'm, going to, I'm I'm done. The statutes are satisfying. I'm just gonna give you this. I'm not gonna this was, This is what aggravates me is this morning, I was wanting to get to the positive we you know verse number one is kind of a negative in tone a little bit, but there's a positive to this verse. Just read through it with me, and i 'll just give you this, and you can we can go home. Uh, look at the successful season. we saw the statutes are satisfying he 's in a separated state, and he 's going to have a successful season. Look at verse number three: he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that 's plural that might That might be the books of the Bible. You think so? Washing of water by the word. Rivers, plural. Planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So you see his strength. He's strong and steadfast. What's it going to take to be steadfast in these days? Separation from, unto, right? And so now you see this man's like a tree that's deliberately been planted by the rivers of water. We back to the word of God. And so he's not going to be moved easily. He'll have a constant source. The fruit is a result of the constant source of the water. Right? He'll never run dry. The Bible says his leaf shall not wither. The leaf's very important to the fruit. The leaf has veins in it that transport, the, well, I don't want to go into all that, but it's very important. His leaf not withering. See, we're not always bearing fruit at every season. Now, the Bible talks about it in his season. There's times in, in, with the season, uh, but you'll not be unfruitful. Your leaf must cannot wither. It cannot dry out. You won't have any fruit without it. It's necessary. Without the, without the, the leaf, you'll have no fruit. And so the leaf is very important. That's more speaking to the substance of what it transports, just like our veins transport throughout our body. It's very important that the water that's being brought up from the roots and being transported out through that leaf, it's very, it's vital to the survival of that tree. If you want to be fruitful, you're going to have to stay in a place where you can have some constant flow of water. You got to have light energy and you got to have water. And that, that's, how, that's how the plant itself uh, will convert that into glucose for power. And so you've got to have the light and you've got to have the water. Same thing with a person. We've got to have the word of God. Apart from the word of God, you take the best Christian in here, separate him from his Bible, and he'll be shipwrecked within a month. you got to have that sort of, you've got to stay by the word of God. Separate yourself from that junk and get in the word of God and it will help your life. Amen. That'll help you. Well, we got to go. I'm going. Billy, I promise I lied this morning. I'm not going to do that again. I had to really stretch for this one, but you see them sprout. The fruit's coming. We see the sure supply. Let's read verse four. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft, which the wind driveth away. Now, I had somebody say this, and I wish I have wrote down who said it. But he said, uh, Only dead limbs fall from the living tree when the storms come. There's a lot in that. You got to stay by the water, stay by the water. But the ungodly are not so, they're driven away. Me and you will be just as solid. If we'll stay in this Bible, we'll be just as solid and strong and fruitful till Jesus comes. Let's read the last verse and we're going. I'm not going to preach it. Um, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And um, that's uh, certainly true. Nothing that you're living for that's ungodly is ever going to last. That's why the Bible says lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the malls can't corrupt it and the thieves can't steal it. That's where the righteous treasures are hid, right? But the ungodly are not so. Everything they're living for is perishing. It will never stand. All the cars and money and houses and all that's going to be burned up one day. Only what we've done for the Lord is going to last, right? Lord, thank you so much for this Bible. Thank you for preserving it for us. Thank you for the blessing that you've been to our hearts, the help you've been to us today. I pray for every person this week. Help every person that's here tonight. Lord, help us to be the Christians we want to be, Lord. We, we admit, I would speak for probably anybody in here, Lord, that we have really just failed for the most part in where we'd like to be for you. So, Lord, help us to do better. Help us to be better Christians. To Help us to love one another, to be more gracious and kind to each other and helpful Christians. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing a verse. If you need to come, you come.